0: Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. It's been a long time since I've had a guest on, so I'm kicking off with the one and only. You maybe know him as Evolution Coaching on Instagram. But Evolution know, Training, but everyone gets that wrong, don't worry about it. My, my, my bad, but <laughs> I know him as Tom Haynes. So Tom, if you could introduce yourself to anyone out there who maybe has been living under a rock and doesn't know about you, um, give us a, a detailed intro of who you are, what you're up to, etc, etc.
1: Oh, um, so, um, yeah, so I run Evolution Training, so um, it's not just me, I, I am the, the the head of it, I am the head coach for Evolution Training, um, but I have um, Sarah who works for me, uh, Sarah Bradley, and I also have my brother Ben. Um, so in regards to sort of coaching, we're a bit of a coaching team, I, I oversee Um, I only train competitors and I have done for the past sort of three years, I think. Um, And I I, I only, uh, yeah, maybe two and a half, three years. I only train competitors. I don't do any sort of um, non-competitors, not, not, not lifestyle. People hate being called lifestyle clients. They like to be called non-competitors. So uh, Ben deals with those, Ben deals with blokes who just want to get in shape for themselves, their own sort of goals, whatever. And Sarah deals with ladies who'd like to just get in shape for their own sort of goals. But she also does a bit of contest prep as well. She's got two or three girls who are going for shows, um this um you know this um uh, this this year I think as well um and yeah basically I've been coaching hey. sorry, it's my tongue bumping, too uh, so yeah so I think I've been coaching now I've been coaching now for about um I think it comes it's coming up to five years four or five years but not seriously to begin with it's only been serious the last like three um, and that means like only with you know uh, people competing and actually doing well I, I helped one of my buddies compete years and years ago and he he won his first ever show um, in both of his classes he won the under 80s and he won like um, the junior class that we did it's just some peewee little show that we did um, so I helped to get ready for that he had six weeks to get ready for it so I was like yeah cool I, I'm sure I think we can do it and we just like battered him into shape um, so did that and then a few people started noticing that I was doing all right with it and I wasn't just like i wasn't just like chatting shit i wasn't just some of one of these you know cuz back then people you know there wasn't like tons and tons of coaches about like it's a quite a like a it's quite a popular sort of saturated market at the moment right but like at, the, at that time at that given time um, there was hardly anyone who did it and if you said you were a coach you had to prove your point otherwise people ripped you a new one like the forums like years ago my god some of the people on instagram these days they would just be torn apart on there. Like, talking, if you were talking about, like... You know when people talk about, like, oh, um, post-show phases and stuff like that, and, you know, and the best way to be, like, mindful about it and all of this? Yeah, I think that's really, really good information. If you said that five years ago on a forum, you people would... Like kill, like literally rip you so much for it, and they start a new thread going, "Who the fuck is this fucking clown?" Like so, people, yeah, like if you weren't tough as nails back then, you wouldn't make it as a coach. So, so I started talking about like wanting to be a coach, and I got ripped so hard by like these people, right? And I'm not going to mention any names, but they they were big coaches at the time, um, and I said like I'm going to coach people, I'm going to help people, I'm going to do all of this um and now these guys are like nowhere to really be seen because they don't really have a place in the market these days they're far too old school and it can't really like change with the times um but yeah no so so basically i started getting into it i got more serious about it i started picking up clients and then one of my buddies so brandon harding might know him from instagram he's got like a like like 700,000 followers or something like that. I don't know. Um, but uh, he was at, he, at the time, he wasn't as big as as the name as he is now on Instagram. And he didn't have like sponsors and all that shit. And he was like, he was like broke. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, do you want, like, he wanted to go for a show. And I had already prepped Chris, his buddy. And he, Chris had won like the overall or whatever. And Brandon was like, yeah, cool. I'll come work with you. So I helped him for a show. Um, I helped him for like PCA Midlands or something, and then PCA London. He did all right at both. Think. He's got like a second and like a third or something. Um, and then, and then the following year we did the body power show, and I prepped him for body power. And he won body power um and that was cool um but when I picked him up because his he was growing so big on social media I ended up getting loads of clients from that um so that was cool and that was just like non-competitive clients people who just wanted to do their own sort of thing um and then eventually I started picking up more and then I had Sarah who I'd been working with for years as well um and just loads of people and just started snowballing into what it is today but um yeah my my goal from the get-go was never like I, I don't do coaching to be, to like make money. Like I don't, I don't care. Like I'm not financially driven in any way, shape or form. Like anyone who knows me knows that. Like I, I don't give a shit like about how much money I make. If so I was still making like three grand a month or something or two grand a month as a coach, but all my clients were like winning like, like bro cards and British titles and stuff. I'd still be really happy. Like I'd be fucking sad. Like I'd be really, so I'd be still be chuffed with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I've, I've done that for, I've done it for a bit now. Um, as far as my own bodybuilding goes, you know, I'm not, I'm not anything special as a bodybuilder. Um, I'm just. um, I think my dog's still whimpering in the background. He's he's not chuffed about being in his crate. It's all right. (laughs) We'll carry on. Um, But yeah, no, he's um, uh, yeah. No, so as a competitor, I wasn't very good. Like I don't have amazing genetics. Like I can get pretty big, and if I and if I commit to my eating and my training and remembering to do my shots and stuff, like I, I can grow pretty well. But I can't like my shape and structure. Like even when dialed in, it's, it's not very nice to look at. Like I'm not classic. I I don't have great like muscle bellies. Like I'm just big on stage. Like I've got big legs, big glutes, and and big delts. But my 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 back and my chest and everything, my arms they're a bit shit. So, um, you know, and but I know that about myself, and that's fine. Like I would never go and do like a two bros classic class because I just don't have the look for it. Even if I was peeled and even if I made the weight, I'm not classic. Um. And even as, like, an open-class competitor, for me to be competitive as, like, a super, like, with two bros or something, with IFBB, or even PCA, like, class one, I need to be, like, 260 on stage for me to be competitive. And last time, I was, like, 237, 238. And I and I looked, I looked. I was bigger than everyone on stage, yeah, by, like, a mile, but I didn't look. I didn't look very like good. Like I just looked a bit. You
0: know. What what I like is you're is your brutal. Honestly, there's a lot of people in this industry that are maybe deluded in regards to how they think they look, or oh, you know, the judges got it wrong or whatnot. But you're you're a humble guy. And I no, and they...
1: but that's bro. That's one of the things that I actually fought out with like a couple of people about, like. I'm, I'm very honest with myself, but I'm also very honest with like my clients as well. So if a client comes to me and goes, oh, do you know? like I had one guy recently actually leave me. He's like, he was like a 40 year old guy, right? He had just done the British and he actually won the British. I won't say his name, but he he, he he left. Like he's, I sent him a message saying, he was like, I think I need to go and pack on like another 15 pounds of muscle. Like I need to go and do all of this. I need to do it in the space of a year, all of this shit. And I'm like, I said to him, I said like, bro, like, I, I'm not going to tell you how you can go and do that. Cause at 40, whatever years old you want to go put another 15 pounds of tissue onto your frame. You've been using steroids for the past like 30 years, like 25 years. Like you're going to, you're going to die. Like you're going to kill yourself. Like, I, and I'm not being privy to that. Like I'm not, I'm not being party with that. And I told him, I was like, look, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that we can do that. I says, you can put a bit on, you can get better and you can make sure that you don't over diet and we can keep you nice and full going in towards the show so you don't look like strung out towards the end. And that would be a far safer thing to make you like look improved and make you better. But you're over 40 years old. you you can't really in the general sense of things improve that much more. So I'm not going to come up to you. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to go. Yeah, you can do it, bro. Let's go for it because you'll just die. Like you'll be, you'll be dead and then I'll be, I'll be responsible somewhat for your death. And I'm not doing that. And he, and he was like, well, if you're not going to support me, I need to be with a coach. who can, who can back me up. I can't back that up. So that's fine. Go find someone else who's willing to do that. I'm not willing to do that. So, you know, if you, if you want to do that, that's your, that's your choice, bro. That's not mine. Like, and, then, um, and that's why I thought out and he left and he left so that's me missing out on £250 a month for my coaching fee right because I couldn't give like because I'm, I'm not doing that see what I mean like I don't care about like that's what I meant from earlier like the money doesn't mean anything to me I'd rather my co- clients do well and actually be healthy right?
0: yeah no absolutely dude and it's refreshing because there's not many coaches well
1: I think there is now but maybe a mm, years, there few wasn't years. there wasn't years ago there wasn't yeah but we but because the standard rises over time right so like like, look at it now, yeah? So, like, there's sheets, there's detailed breakdowns of blood, there's screencasting videos, there's constant contact. If you start slipping, there's 10 other coaches who are willing to step in and, and smash what you're doing out of the park. Like, you know, if you don't step up to that mark, you become obsolete, therefore you are no longer in that top bracket of coaches. You, know, you have to, you have to go, and it will always, and it's going to go more and more and more, because our coaches charge more, they are therefore going, well, hang on, he charges 25 quid less, and he does fucking twice as much as you, i might just go to him you know and they, and he does the same results that you do so you have to you have to be on that ball don't you do you know what I mean
0: absolutely and I guess that kind of brings us nicely to the first thing we we're going to talk about which it can be to do with it can be in a coach coaching but you've been around for for quite a long time you could hear that just from you talking about your experience and
1: well, I've, I've been in bodybuilding since I was 15 I've competed since I was 18 I've been training properly since I was yeah. 15 so I'm 20 I'm 28 actually next week so Happy birthday! For when that
0: comes, work has to be live. But how have you things? How have you seen things sort of change within the game? Or I mean, is there anything that you've seen not change at all? Both mm-hmm. in regards to, say,
1: coaching, but also as com- like the competitors as well. Mm-hmm. So in terms of competitions, it's definitely gone the right way and the the fact that it's become immensely more popular and it's been more accessible through like men's physique and bikini classes because those will eventually lead up to those people competing in bigger classes or at least some of them breaking through. So some girls will move to train bikini, some girls will move up to like figure and stuff and some girls would even go from those figure classes up towards like the train figure and then the women's physique classes, which is really cool. Like I like that. Um, And then same with blokes, like men's physique guys will eventually do classic and then they'll eventually get too big for it and they'll do bodybuilding so I like the accessibility of it now so you can actually access bodybuilding quite easy and then once you're in for a long period of time like you know you'll you'll move out but then again that is the problem with bodybuilding bodybuilding especially for women is a short lifespan for a lot of them because it 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 eats them up chews them up spits them out and goes off you go with an eating disorder or a fucking psychological condition about their appearance and you know so bodybuilding bodybuilding is a prick but it's become more of an accessible prick now like, yeah. like you know what I mean like um uh yeah it's not it's not like it's not like gate blocks anymore like by by people going well you know you can't bodybuild you're not you're not 230 pounds on stage as the first time that you shouldn't be doing it you know what I mean yeah. so it's nice that it's more of a you can break into it um but in regards to things like in regards to things like um the actual uh scene of bodybuilding do you know do you remember the stuff recently like here's let's just take an example right you'll know this do you remember the thing recently about those those female competitors dying yeah and all of the you know and like all of that okay. well that coach has just gone back to full-on coaching whatever and he's posted up adverts every five seconds that, yeah. witch, that witch hunt for him and that rightly so that 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 calling him out that did nothing that did fuck all. And I've seen that at least eight or nine times before in bodybuilding. Like full-on uproar in the industry. Oh, my God. All these big names talking about it. Can't believe all these people are dying. It's horrendous. Look at this coach. Look what he did. Look what they're going, what's going on with this. The IFBB needs to do something. Yeah, will, they, will they fuck? Will they fuck? That's never going to change. Bodybuilding will always be like that. And if people genuinely think that doing that is going to get somewhere, they're either new to the sport so they don't quite understand, or they've not seen, like, and they've not seen like what's happened over these years, or they genuinely are delusional and think that they're going to change the world and they're not. But, you know, like...
0: And it's a, it's a real shame, um, I suppose. That oh,
1: massive. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm saying it is a shame, but you also need to be very realistic about what you can do as an individual. I can't go and stop that dude from fucking pumping loop diuretics and aldactone and diazide into his clients. And I can't stop girls going over there, you know. Well, I suppose, like, maybe I can Like, I, I, I suppose I, I could, but like, just continuously focusing on that group of girls, like that, like the bigger girls, like the figure, physique, wellness, whatever, and do do well with them without having to fucking do stupid shit like that. But most people can't really do much to stop that. Sorry, you were saying? I'm yeah, no,
0: I mean, I, I think uh, it's anyone that's listening to this podcast would have seen all that from last year. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably the, the the biggest uproar I've ever seen um, within the scene. But realistically, I've not been around for as long as someone like yourself. It's, kind of why we're getting you on the podcast to, to hear yeah. hear about how things used to be.
1: It's always been like that and it will always be like that. People are loud, shout about it and then they go quiet straight away, okay? You know, do you remember the people going on about the Two Bros show in the field? Oh, they should, everyone should all just like leave Two Bros and go do other shows. No, anyway, that's not the YouTubers it's was, it was the only way to the IFBB. So it's just like, you know, yes, that show wasn't great. Yes, it was a bit of a fucking slapdash thing, but it was planned, to be fair to them, it was planned in COVID time, so they didn't know what they were going to be able to do at that given time. And if that was the only show available to be on, because COVID had obviously, you know, at that time, say it had been more restrictive to people, and you know, government were being twats and they weren't letting people go out and do shit, then... Then people would have been grateful just to have had a show to compete in. But because it was because it was like one weekend that next weekend PCA Birmingham. It's like, huh? Right? Okay.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. You you actually briefly mentioned on this one. I mean, how much has the coaching game upscaled in say the past five, six, seven, eight years versus what it used to be like to now? Do you you feel like it's a lot better now than ever was?
1: It's way better than it was. It's way better than it was. The, The knowledge and the information that gets passed down. if you pump out shit as a coach and you start telling your clients to do obsolete old school stuff that's been proven scientifically to not work and proven to not work and proven to be dangerous and proven that there are better methods than for then you get started getting like pushed aside as a coach you know you start losing clientele and you start not people go i'm I'm not going to that idiot he makes me do stupid stuff that doesn't we know doesn't work you know what i mean so it just gets shown a lot of american coaches for example they're about 10 years behind us in the uk in terms of knowledge they're still living in the world where they think 12.5 mcg of t3 is, is is a good idea like it, you're fucking stupid like the body produces 25 to 30 on a regular basis naturally why would we that's like taking 30 milligrams of test a week and saying it's trt it's like yeah. retire like they actually do it and then uh, no 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 i've seen it on bloods so and it i'm like it doesn't and it, it, you, you're not you're, you're 10 years behind bro catch up like yeah. you know you see that all the time and um it's it's uh it's funny it's really funny. People are like, "Best coaches are in the states." I'm gonna to go to Matt Johnson, and I'm gonna to go to all of these, you know, whoever else in the states, and I'm like, "Okay, so step back in time ten years rather than just picking a UK coach who's really good." <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: Yeah, totally, man. And I, I think there's still there's still coaches out there that are probably big within the UK bodybuilding scene that do stuff in more of like an, an old school way. Yeah, 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 there are. There are a few. There are a couple. But they're always going to be busy because people like. Some, sometimes you'll speak to a comparison and say, oh, I needed to go with someone old school, you know, and you're like, why? <laughs> yeah. But just, just something old, was, old
1: school is another word for obsolete. It means you're not as good as what you could be these days. If, they took, if you took some old school principles as in terms of like, don't get me wrong, I think like old school bodybuilders are far more fucking strict with things. Like if it's 200 gram, it's 200 gram. It's not 201 and it's not 202. And I'll compensate for that in my macros later on. Like if it's 200 grams of food, it's 200 grams of food, right? Like that's how they are. Like you know. And if it's a case of like training, you know, intensity and stuff. Like they, they. If you, I don't know if you've done. I don't know if you've done. Have you trained with like a guy who's like used to compete in like the 90s or something? Have you never done that, bro. It fucks you up. They're fucking psychopaths. Like it's not. It's not like actually technically like. Is good because it's not it's not thought out and programmed. But we used to, I used to train with a guy who competed in the um, in the nineties, guy called Dwayne. He's passed away since, unfortunately. I'd actually trained his son. Um, but we uh, we used to do leg sessions, right? And we used to go warm up with leg extensions, and we go and do leg extensions where we build up to the as close as we can to the bottom of the stack. And then we just drop set that stack all the way down, like two pins at a time, literally just fuck ourselves up on it. Then we go and do leg press and do exactly the same thing. We build up to a Cybex leg, a leg press, right? But, build- up all the way to the fucking end of it, and then we just drop set that at the end of it. One plate at a time off, ten reps per thing, like a hundred fucking reps a set, right? Then we'd go and squat and work up to like three and a half plates, four plates squats for like six, eight, ten sort of reps. Then we do like seated hammy curls and stuff where you just batter yourself for like three second holds and shit. Then you do like some um, like lying leg curl or some sort of leg curl. Um, and then we go and do like calves, and again just just like drop set it stretch sets and we're holding it for 10 seconds at the bottom all this mental crap and it just like they just but they keep going they're like yeah come on we've got more to do and I'm like mate I'm done I'm fucking spent like no no come on we're not finished yet and it's like it'd be like a three-hour leg session (laughs) but you know I think that old school guys train harder in that sense that like guys are instilled that that methodology of you don't train hard you get out of the gym like that's it but, but these days that, that obviously it's not as effective as what we know can be. You know, you can back off like to that, like 40% of that, and it'd probably be more effective for your body. Um, so but I think, but I think the actual dieting processes, drug processes, supplementation purposes, health purposes, and focuses and things like that are far better in this sort of the modern era of things. Way better, way better.
0: I suppose what you can maybe say is that if uh, we're speaking about or we're looking at say beginners or those kind of looking to get in the bodybuilding competing scene, now is probably the you could say perfect time time either to to get involved with that because of of how everything improved. If mm-hmm. um, if there was someone out there who was you know looking to get into the competitive side of things, you know what would what would you suggest? Like what would be your best advice for maybe perhaps common mistakes you'll see within the industry? Is or anything that you look at whether it's young bodybuilders or perhaps, you know, new guys to the scene, or anything that you feel that they're consistently maybe, I don't want to say doing wrong because I don't think I worried, maybe something mm-hmm. they're
1: doing ineffectively? Um, I think I think spending enough time learning about the sport itself and learning about actual just general bodybuilding itself and learning all of that rather than jumping into it. Like I had an inquiry the other day. This is an example, you know, pertaining to your question. There, I had a guy the other day come to me and was talking about I want to compete and I want to do classic and I want to do this show in the middle of the year, right? And he was like, I want to do PCA, I want to do a first time this show PCA. I was like, oh, okay. I said so I didn't look at his profile or anything. I just sent a message saying, Can you send me over some pictures of what your physique looks like and let me know what you're doing diet wise? Yeah, well, I usually try and eat chicken and rice like two or three times in a day and I have a couple of protein shakes. And I'd make sure I'm training like six days a week and I train one body per, 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 per you know, thing. And I'm already thinking, fucking hell, this is dreadful. And then I'm thinking, and then he was like, um, and then I'm, I'm natural and I don't really want to use anything. I'm like, oh, well, well that's a big problem. And then we've got, um, and then it's like, and then he I was like, send me a picture over your physique, send it over and it's like, it's just like no poses. It's just, Like, half-posing thing. He just looked terrible. Like, no offence to him. just nowhere near the level of development to even think about competing. So take your time, plan out when you are going to compete, but make sure you're at a suitable level of, like, knowledge of the sport and a suitable level of, like, development before you even consider going around and asking coaches and trying to find the fucking best price or the best coach or whatever or someone that you gel with. Literally just learn, like, what bodybuilding is. Go and watch a show. Like, go watch a show and see how it all runs. Because you might go there and think, this is fucking shit. This is boring and I don't want to do this like it might not be for you and what a lot of the time you'll find is that like like and I always say this to, I say this to a lot of people actually as well it's like are you sure bodybuilding's for you like are you sure it's like what you want to do because it's fucking mental like at the end of the day it's pretty mad um, and if, if it's not for you that's perfectly fine that's not a bad thing it just means you're still sane like you know but um, what, what about you like what have, you, have you had people that have come to what would you sort of normally do in that regard like when you if you get someone to come and who um, comes okay. to you and they're like a beginner and they're like, say you've got the same thing that I do, like they're completely fucking clueless about bodybuilding, but they really want to do it. Like, how would you go about that? What what would you do as a coach? I you're, would, a co- you're a very good coach. Like you've proved it this year. Like I, I said as well the other day, I can't remember who said this. It someone. It's like you and I, like, I think it was like two others, I think it said were like five years' time, you're going to be doing the same shit that me and Cal did this year, and Rob did this year. Like, I think so. Like, like three, four, five years' time, and it'll be, like, consistent shit. But, like, sorry, carry on. Like, who Thank you, here? man. That,
0: that, uh, that means a lot coming from yourself. You know, that's that's awesome. And, and that is the plan, you know?
1: Yeah, no, you'll be there. You will. I can see it. Because you're not... You're, you're smart. You're an intelligent guy, but you've also, like... But you're a realist as well. Like, you put people in shows that are ready to do shit, not like people who are, like... That. so so okay, so then that leads to it. Like what would you do with it if you had
0: something like- So ultimately, like my niche of clients right now at the moment is first timers and beginners, or maybe, maybe they're second and third season. So in that sense, I would probably just voice note them or you know get them on a call and just say, I personally think that would be the best idea. What I I'd maybe suggest would be if you want to stay natural, you look at the natural feds, but actually you're probably gonna need a bit more tissue and we're maybe gonna need two or three years to do that. So unfortunately, a to coach you to do that. However, here's what the next 12 months would look like potentially yeah. if we decided to work towards it so a case of turning them down nicely in a gentle way not just saying hey, but bro. giving
1: them another option of what they could do that's pretty much what i did i just didn't do it as pleasantly as that i was a bit <laughs> of a prick i mean actually looking back fuck, i should have just called you about like, well, what did you do bro like uh, no nah, like yeah so so i um uh, i i basically said to him i said you know look it you know you've not got enough tissue here your your knowledge regarding to your diet clearly needs a lot of work before we even begin that i said you know if you want to do pca that's perfectly fine but you're probably you're going to need to use PEDs otherwise unless you're like absolutely genetically blessed to fuck right and you want to do classic bodybuilding i was like look you're probably better off starting in men's physique because you still have but if, if you're desperate to compete I said, but you're still probably going to need to use some form of like at least a fat burner or something realistically to get to the level of conditioning even required, you know, albeit if we can gain the amount of tissue that we need to in this space of time. So I basically just said to us was like, look, like, maybe go, like, research it a bit more before you come back into it. Um, and that's my advice, like, going back to the beginning of the question, like, my advice would be, like, research it, spend your time, listen, learn, like, l- listen to podcasts, listen to all of that stuff and just start picking up things. And when you've done like six months to a year on your own, doing your own coaching, like overseeing your own bodybuilding, just training hard, um, focus, then maybe get a coach and say, look, I want to compete. I'm probably not going to be ready for however long, but when would you say, and then, and then just go from that point, really. Yeah. I think
0: that's probably the best piece of advice to give, especially because... Oh, do you know think-
1: what, dude? I just thought, here's a good one as well. Here, well tell me what you think of this, right? Like money-wise... Bodybuilding is fucking expensive. That's one other thing I would say is if you don't have a side job to pay for your bodybuilding, you, you, unless, unless you're in big bucks doing, if you're not doing it on a normal day, sort of day-to-day basis, you definitely need to look at making some good income as, alongside it. Otherwise, bodybuilding is just hard. It's just fucking and – and you won't be as good as you could be. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things. So that's one thing I would say as well.
0: I take my hat off to those that work a nine-to-five, but – still bodybuilding still look unbelievable yeah
1: and like do it well as well like
0: because I'm like I've always sort of managed bodybuilding around clients when I was on the one 1PT and then online chose when I train. but to be told like oh no you need to work 9 to 5 9 to 6 and then when you throw like a kid in the mix as well which I'm learning now it just it's hard yeah. you know what I mean um, but you're 100% right I mean the cost of doing one show can be, I mean, if you add coaching in the mix as well as a few grand, it's as simple as that. And then mm-hmm. you choose to do three or four shows. But uh, yeah, I mean, I
1: couldn't. Ent- entry fees, tan, but, you know, every, all the other extras and stuff on top. Even if you don't, like, do all of that. Say you do like a real cheap show, right? So if, I think FitEx are pretty cheap to be fair for entries and stuff like that. Say you do FitEx as a bloke, right? You still got to buy like a little pot of dream tan, which is going to cost you 25, 30 quid. Because you go, if you go from zero, this is the cheapest way you could do it. You need a pair of trunks. You need a pot of dream time, you go from zero to dream time, no time or base time involved. Um, you diet your way all the way through without a coach. Even that is still an expensive food bill all the way run into it. You're like, you know, it's difficult. Even now, that's the cheapest way you could do a show. And it's still really difficult.
0: Yeah, 100%, dude. Yeah. And I think one thing that obviously we, we've not spoken about, but we will take consideration if you're assisted, like, gear isn't necessarily cheap, you know? No. Um, no. But. In the, I suppose, in, in the past couple of years, guys' stacks have changed. You know, we, yeah, we often speak about a, a safer model approach, which will be interesting. But there's definitely still an old school mentality out there with some coaches um, that kind of goes against what yeah. I would see as what the norm is now, which is kind of trying to think about safe models possible for in the years to come, maybe yeah. perhaps when you're prepping, push things a bit. But um when it comes to likes to say if we were thinking about like big guys and like super heavies now, do you feel that they can get as big as they need to with that safer model approach? But
1: I guess so, what we should really start doing is do you wanna just explain what that safer model approach is for anyone that doesn't know? Yeah, man, absolutely. So so I think well yeah, absolutely. Oh man, there's to go here. Um, so safe model approach. So safe model would be looking at the total amount that you take on a weekly basis, based on using the most mild sort of compounds that you can use in general, whilst also keeping to a milligram dosage based on a, like a kilogram body weight. So bouncing across those two things there, right? So usually you look at sort of fifteen mill. Well, one to, uh, to sorry, ten to fifteen milligrams per kilo of body weight. That's sort of like where you range. sit as being the upper end of where you need to go to, and not going past that range. Now obviously that's compound dependent because for example for me if there was like say I weighed like 100 kg right and if I go well I can take I can take you know um 15 milligrams per kilo of body weight uh that doesn't mean I can take a gram of trend and 500 meters test and <laughs> um, you know it doesn't it doesn't work in that respect but it works in respect of using using compounds in general that are safer to use so looking at prima bolens, mastrons um things like that you know like so milder, in inverted commas, sort of. Um, so you would be looking at it like that. And then you would also be looking at um, using... Aromatizing compounds with compounds that don't aromatize in a sort of a union, in a unison, where they actually, you know, uh, work together. Um, And you can control estrogen without having to use aromatized inhibitors. Uh, That's one thing that you'd be, or at least limiting the amount of aromatized inhibitors that you do use, or selective estrogen receptor modulators that you're using. So... That's good. So that's basically how I do it with most of my yeah. guys and girls. Even, even even supers, bro. Like like supers, yeah, we still follow that same sort of approach. Like, don't get me wrong, they're gonna need like a little bit well, they're gonna need a lot more, probably, um, than than the average, you know, average Joe, but they also um yeah, there's other there's other factors. I can get onto that in a minute. Um one, one thing I will say though is that I think the person who's definitely pushed this the most in the UK, and the person who might not you might not think it, but Joe Jeffrey generally is the godfather of that in the UK. Absolutely, 100%, totally, and Now, he advises Cuba. He's spoken to JP multiple times about it. He's spoken to Cal. He speaks to me about it. He talks to all these other people. You just don't see it because it's private chats, all right? But I know for a fact that he's advised all of these people at one given time, you know, any given time, and probably still does bits and to me things there, right? He is, quite frankly, the, like, go-to guy for PD safe usage in the UK now that's not to say that everything that me and him did back in the day was safe because we both both if you look at our old um, forum posts what we've both done in the past was really fucking stupid like we both taken asinine amounts of shit right but that's that's back then that's being silly silly young men <laughs> um but now looking at the actual um you know the, the, the logistics of it, the safety of it, breaking down studies, breaking down information that we can look at and generally just taking that and, and, and working with it in a safe manner. That's that's the best way I think that people... Yeah,
0: can. and I've yeah. had multiple consults with Joe as well. Well, there you go. There you you go. know, to, to discuss everything. I would say that how I base my approach to my own usage and with clients is all coming from from really Joe's methodologies because absolutely, they work. Um, yeah. one, one comment that I heard... I think it was last year, someone said to me, we were sort of discussing back and forth, like say off-season usage and whatnot. He and wanted to run higher tests. And I was like, well, why do that when you can go blah, blah, see. But we were discussing supers, and that's where the sort of questions stem from. And he said like, those guys, he says, it's not what got them to where they were. So why why should they switch? And I was like, well, the, the reason it's not like, no, they weren't doing it before, was just because they didn't know.
1: It would have got them there anyway. It yes. still would have gotten there. It's still a better method to use it like that. One thing that I think that supers do need, and, you know, top-end top, top end heavyweights, like guys who are short, but also heavyweights, and supers, um, one thing that I would say is that those guys are Usually using more growth hormone and insulin in their off seasons as well than the average guy. They're definitely pushing that a little bit more. I know that for a fact. Um, and dosage-wise, in regards to you know, people say, "Oh, well, it didn't get them there." It only didn't get them there because they had a fucking spacker of a coach before who was putting them on that high test stuff, right? So we know for a fact that high dosage test is 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 really not great. Not from just like um, you know literature, but also just from like anecdotal. Like, how many guys have you seen like these 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 40, 50, 60 year old bodybuilders from the 90s who with high test was the thing. If you didn't do high test, get out where they were now, they're all dropping. They're all dropping dead, right? You know, el Sombati used to use like three grams of test a week year-round, right? Like, you know, all these other guys, Mike matazzaro when he he was like a big test guy, like loved two grams of test a week in Dimal. uh like you know, Mike Mentz. like all these guys like did it, right? Um, it was it, it just smashed it, but the 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 big thing as well that I think is that until you've coached a super and actually tried those that sort of safer model approach and been more sort of um, focused on other things as well, uh, you you haven't got any business talking about it, you know, because you don't know. Like like look okay, for example, Johnny right? Johnny won the British on less than one point five gram of gear a week. Yeah, wow. less than one point five. £225 on stage, shredded out of his fucking mind, and less than 1,500 of steroids a week. Yeah. Okay? And and he was using like, like I think, 4 IU of growth or 6 IU of growth. So his growth did go up towards the end, I will say that, but he, he didn't really go much from there. Yeah. Um, but then you've got Ross... Who does need a little bit more? Who won the British as well? Was my client as well, and he won the light heavies. And he was on over two thousand, but only a little bit over two thousand. So it's, it's, there's always that. Um, there's over that. There's always that sort of bounce back and forth of okay, what does this person actually need at this given point, right? Okay. You know, and and if they don't need it, so. Johnny built his frame and his physique, like how you know how much about Johnny McKenna. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Deadlift and Mr. Hack Squat. So he he built his frame and his size and his level of you know, development and everything by doing he didn't know what steroids he was on when he was uh, when he was got to that size, when he put on that much, because his coach used to just do his ejections for him, he used to go around to his house and he'd load up two, three mil syringes, stick them in his shoulders and go, and he'd go, What's in that? And he goes, Don't worry about it. And he do the shots, so Johnny doesn't know what he was taking to get to his size, right? But if but if I can still, if I took that, not knowing what the fuck he was on, I'm just assuming high test, bit of deck, a bit of trend, stuff like that. I'm just, and I put him, you know, to that to, to British standard, to winning the British on test primo, tiny tiny bit of trend and a bit of windstroll If he managed to win the Brits on that, then it proves the point already, doesn't it? Of what you said earlier, like oh, what what they did, you know, already didn't get the Well, What he did. Got him to where he was, but then I refined the process massively.
0: Yeah, no. What I, what I like as well is you kind of pointed out the interindividuality that when it comes, yeah. to, when it comes to gear. Like personally, I was me and Cal were sort of chatting after this season. I was like, I didn't run my test quite as high this year as I did last year, and I was like, Cal, I looked better last year on a little bit higher test, yeah. but we've only known that because we ran tests a little bit lower this year. So sometimes you just got to like do it. And it I, I think
1: I think taller guys might need a little bit more test just to stop them. Like I don't know, that's so fucking anecdotal and so fucking bro science. But just to stay a little bit fuller going in, maybe because they they don't have that benefit of being able to come in slightly flat but peeled and still look relatively you know still beefy. You know, if we string out, like we look really stringy. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I would agree. I think this year I didn't go any higher than on prep. I think it was. Was it four or five? Whereas last year I was up at seven.
1: Yeah. And
0: although I was having to use, you know, an AI and whatnot, like at that point in prep, you're not caring about health for yeah. a few a few weeks. But I just generally thought the the look was was a little bit better. But yeah. I, as I said, you know, you live and learn, and what works for one person doesn't work for another. And this is the the great thing about coaching, speaking to minds like yourself, is that you have the experience. You've worked with so many guys and girls, um, and of, and, and you point that out just again shows the experience that you've. That you've got.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and be, well, I think the thing you have to say is like, you, you have to, you have always have to ask people, it's like, well, well, have you done it yet? Have you done that with someone? Have you managed? It's all well and good talking about it. But unless you absolutely know the science in and out, round and about, like, the are completely able to pick everything apart of it and understand it and have seen it anecdotally with loads and loads of those people. I think then you don't really have the business to be able to talk about what does work and what doesn't. And especially if you've only tried one method and go, no, this works because it works and I do it and that's fine. But you see, but then it's like, well, okay, if you keep that there in mind, the second you start thinking, I know everything, that's the only way to do it. You, you, you've already lost. You can't learn anymore. You, you're fucked. You're going downwards rather than up. Um you know, you see that with a lot of coaches, don't you, as well? Like putting people like like 750 tests from the get go, or like a thousand tests from the get go. It's like, you don't fucking need it. Like, yeah. you just don't. Like.
0: Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And that kind of comes back to the, what we're saying, really, about older school coaches. And it leads us on to, I guess, the, the next topics, which yeah. was there's still plenty of females out there. I think this has become a lot more open, yeah. you know, perhaps thanks to Joe and what the past couple years about safer moral usage within the likes of, uh, with females. Um, yeah. However, as I said, there's still kind of ladies out there that have are getting terrible advice. If we were to kind of look at yeah. or speak about females that are perhaps looking at assistance without just saying, you know, go, go to Joe and learn, which they, they're going to do anyway. Um, <laughs> is there anything that maybe perhaps you would say that where they need to start, where they need to think about what or what they absolutely must avoid?
1: Um you, you need to, for, for women going towards PEDs and wanting to use them and saying, all right, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to take. I'm going to, well, no, or just saying, no, that's that's not right. So so if they go, oh yeah, I'm just going to start taking storage and I'm going to do it because I'm doing a bodybuilding show and I'm just going to do this. Then and that's, then that's fine and you're going to do it. So you need to look at, like you said, a safe model of it and looking at what you can actually specifically take and do, and, you know, everything. Now, women in general can, can, don't have to, can take anything that they want to take. That's their choice, right? Usually it's okay. There are some things that women should never fucking do, but there, with steroids, it's a dosage dependent compound. We talk about dosages with men and say, if you take, you know, okay, for example, right? If you take 100, and, uh, what, uh, like, where, do, where does your TRT sit at the moment? Sorry, for like normally your HR. between 175, 200. Okay, cool, right. So if you say, say you're taking 200 mg tests a week, right? And then you add in 200 mg of Primo per week. Over about six weeks, you'll notice that you've maintained, put a bit more muscle on, you've filled out, you're a little bit stronger. It's a noticeable thing, right? Most people would say, well, Primo's too low. You, you, you wouldn't feel it at that dosage. It's still a steroid and you're still taking it. Okay. Now that leads back to, sorry, for women in general. Women, when they take things, are far more sensitive to the androgenizing effects, the anabolic effects of steroids than blokes are in the sense that they don't have testosterone or androgens in general floating through their body on a regular basis. We have that. We can, blokes can take whatever the fuck they want, whatever the fuck they want to take it, and they will always look like a bloke and they will always feel like a bloke. Whereas women don't have that luxury, but are also far more sensitive in the respect that. Okay, for example, if they take five milligrams of Anavar per day, or 10 milligrams of Anavar per day, leading them towards a show, they have that response and that effect of preserving tissue, right? So they have the ability to preserve tissue, they have more of an androgenized look, popping delts, more muscle fullness, a bit more vascularity, bit of sort of the grainier look to their skin when they get a lower body fat, that sort of stuff, right? Improved strength, etc, etc, etc. Right, androgen receptor sort of dominant areas will fill out a little bit more. Now... They also have that effect with any, any steroid in general. It's not just obviously animal. But the, the one thing that, that people don't really look at is that women can take anything they want to take, but it's dosage dependent. So when when I... So my women's physique girls use NPP but they use 15 milligrams of NPP twice a week or three times a week, or if they're bigger, 30 milligrams twice a week, right? For a 60 milligram per week total. Now, totally in a week, that is 60 milligrams of steroids. If you take 10 milligrams of Anavar per day, that is 70 milligrams per week of steroids, right? So if we're taking uh, uh, NPP, which is not as androgenic as, um, you know, or uh, inherently and anecdotally does not have the same androgenic effects that anovar would have, which is what women really want to sort of avoid in general, right? So they want that anabolism, but they don't want super androgen. Maybe a bit of androgenized sort of look for a competition prep, right? For that for that cosmetic enhancement, but off season or progression wise, you don't really want to just be doing anavar in an off season when there are far, 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 far more suitable alternatives from an anabolics perspective. So just looking at straight away AAS. Now we're not talking about growth, slim, uh, L carnitine, telly, all of that sort of stuff. Not yet. We can go into that in a minute. But when you look at it from a dosage perspective. The MPP has a conversion over to oestrogen. It has conversion over. It aromatizes to some degree. As a woman, why would you not want some compound that aromatizes somewhat so you have oestrogen in your body? You have some oestrogen. If you put just straight-up fucking on in your body on its own, your oestrogen and your balance between android and oestrogen is going to be fucking cataclysmically dropped and, and bunged out. It's going to get fucked. So if you put that small amount in, you have that progression of animalism. And you, as an off-season cycle, that's really, really useful. But now, I all I've done there is broken down what a drug does and looked at the actual chemical process of it, the formula, whatever. And you know, and I know that if you were comparing the two, that would be far more effective. Okay. Now that is lost on old-school coaches, obsolete coaches. It's lost on them. They don't get it. They can't fathom it because they've not seen it and they've not put it into practice. And they're, no, no, anabolics for safe and women. That's the idea. No, it's not. It's not. You just don't understand something. And that's perfectly fine. But you need to understand it before you move forward. Now, going back to your question, where are you looking at for women? Now, obviously, immediately, when you start talking about steroids to women, they they immediately think, well, I don't want to inject anything. Straight off the bat. They're already like, it's like, hang on a minute. Okay, hang on. An injection is just a delivery method into the body. That's all it is. It's not fucking painful. It's just not. (laughs) Like, if you know what you're doing, it's not. You know, and breaking that down is quite a difficult conversation to have. But it's sometimes a needed conversation. And once the taboo from that is gone a little bit, things will actually be a little bit smoother, I would imagine, in bodybuilding. I'd imagine that's five, six, seven years away, though, for that to become a bit more of a, a commonplace thing. Uh, girls like to pop a little anavar and pretend that they didn't take it, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, no, I'm natural. How do you want T T3? Oh, yeah, but anabolically natural. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so go from there. So now then we would look at like other. So if you were looking from a realistic, like what is the, well, not realistic, but like um, a, a best possible scenario, um, using low dosage growth hormone, l- using Alcarnitine, using very small amounts of insulin, using various uh, other compounds like your metformins, um, using your SARMS, your selective androgen receptor modulators, your, your osterine, are, are far more better for like a starting off point before then going over towards anabolic so if you can max out with all of those first before then flipping the switch that would be great but chances are you're not going to have done that and by the time you come to a coach you'll go have you ever taken steroids and you go well i did try anavar for six weeks so you've already broken that barrier there so you yeah. might as well you're not going to get the same response from those compounds but it's better to have those non-anabolic androgenic steroid compounds in play as a female in a realistic in a in a in an ideal world in a, in a sparkly, shiny, brand new spanking world, where well, that's what women start on, but they don't. Um, you know, and and yeah, just looking at the actual chemical process of a drug and understanding the breakdown of it and how it actually affects women and affects, you know, affects things in general. So, for example, like, you know, if you're looking at like safe compounds in terms of stuff to use, not safe, then nothing's safe, but compounds that women can take you know they can take anything but i wouldn't suggest halo testing trend equipoise things like that because when you start taking you know it's just pointless it's fucking stupid um look at look at the actual drug itself and, and break it down and then work out sort of you know the dosage that you would be doing or, it, or just fucking hire a coach that's really good with that stuff anyway um and and, and then learn from them regarding it going forward well sorry what would you say about this sort of process like if you get a girl come to you and go i want to take steroids i want to be enhanced i want to do a show what should i do you know how do you break that down with them in all honesty, that's not my niche. No, the girls that I'll get, well, they'll use
0: lipolytics. They'll use like clen, maybe T three, T four, and a little bit of maybe Austerine. And maybe, like some of them have already come to me saying, oh, "I've used Anavar before, so then yeah. we'll jump on that." But as far as like the you know the bigger girls that you work with, that's just yeah. that's not my remit. But right. having have spoken to like so Joe. And say following Victor Black stuff. Yeah. Hearing you preach all of that is is so like so good to hear because girls yes. that will maybe perhaps think, oh well, this guy down the gym just told me that I should just jump on this 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 anavar straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, when we listen, you just listed five, six, seven things that they can all chuck in. Oh There's- yeah, straight
1: away, straight yeah. off the bat, Yeah, uh, and one other thing that's really really useful. And, uh, you know, again, this thing, the old school coaches and the obsolete coaches will turn their nose up at immediately. But using two milligrams of testosterone per week for a woman. Two milligrams per week, which obviously has that conversion over to estro. and then people go, "Well, how do you get two milligrams in a fucking bottle in a syringe?" And it's like, well, you have it made up by a lab, all right, mate. You don't fucking draw out one one hundredth of a mill of test, um, but yeah, you have it made up by a lab. But you do two milligrams of test per week, um, two to three, um, and that actually sets um sets you up hormonally to only be in a, perspe- in, in, a in a space and a sort of a hormonal reading that would be the higher end of like um, PCOS. So it puts you in, in, in a state where PCOS like PCOS, like women who do have PCOS, absolutely smash it at the Olympics because they generally just have that, you know, natural, naturally higher testosterone levels. And like I said back before, the sensitivity to that actual androgen itself, you know, that changes things. So you're not going to turn into a bloke on two milligrams of test a week. Um, and it just, it, it it obviously has conversion over to Easter as well. So it aromatizes, which is really beautiful. So you have like, half of that's going to be converted over as Easter anyway, which then puts you in a position but I have had one of my girls who uses that, who does two milligrams of test a week. Um, she got her monthly back after not having it for wow. six months. And she's on test. Yeah. Nothing else, just that. And she got her food back to a good point and she was on that and, and, it, and it did the job. Like the, the food thing didn't do it. Putting her on that and having that conversion back over to East Joe managed to give her enough to actually, oh, okay, body's functioning normally. And then it and it, and it worked from there. Like a HRT. Um, yeah. Beautiful thing to do. Actually, it just sorts yeah. them out so well.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Now,
1: I know that we're getting on, so I'll, I'll finish
0: what... with the last couple of questions. But one of the things I always love to ask guests on here is just kind of the the best piece of advice they could give to anyone out there listening, they're an aspiring bodybuilder regardless of the level that they're at. Mm. What would just be your sort of best piece of advice to that person that's listening today?
1: So from like a... Um, let's say okay. a competitive standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just my jam, isn't it? Um, okay, let's... Uh, so my Yeah, it is good because I mentioned it earlier. My, my late mentor, Dwayne, uh, the chap I used to train with, he um, was like, you spent a lot of money Uh, no, his words were a lot more abrasive than this. Um, But it was basically, you spent a lot of money and a lot of time to get here. Uh, You know, I think the words were actually, you spent a lot of fucking money and a fucking load of time to get to this point. So when you're on stage, fucking smile. Yeah. So he said that you know you're doing it because you love it. It isn't a fucking chore. If you love it, it's not a chore. It's hard, yeah. And sometimes you really wish you had maybe chosen another sport, but you love it because you love the actual, you know, the whole the whole process of the sport and the actual, you know, the eating, the training, the you know, whatever, the dieting, the cardio, all of it. It's all it's all part of it, you know. And you have to be a bit mental to do it. So when you're up there, give them a really you know cheesy grin because you've you've got yourself to that point.
0: I, I think I think that is the first. First time I've heard that is best piece of advice on a podcast. I'm oh, yeah. So fantastic! And then, la- lastly, this is one that doesn't need to be regarding into bodybuilding, but yeah. in your whole life, what would you say has been the the biggest lesson you've learned? And from that sort of lesson, is there anything that you could just give advice to someone out there listening that's maybe went through the
1: same? You, yeah, well, there's a, there's a few things I could say. I think pertaining to bodybuilding as well. Like that's the one thing I would say is like. Always be open to new ideas and open, open-minded towards different, like bits of bodybuilding and bits of like because it's my life, bodybuilding's all my life. So like you know, be open to information coming in from other places. You know, you know, new info, new studies, new thoughts, new processes, new people to listen to and learn from all of these people around you about what you want to do going forward. Don't just close off and once you've got to a. Say you're like. Okay, so say so you're like real good, like you're a really good coach board, right? Like you're good at what you do. But if you put the blinkers on and go, I'm not going to listen to anyone else now at all, I know better than everyone else. Fuck off, Carl. Fuck off, Joe. Fuck off, Tom. Fuck off, you know, whoever. Like anyone, a victim, like all of that. I know what I'm doing now. I've, I've, you know, kept me to a British standard. So I'm the best. And then you just like locked in. You, you wouldn't go any further than you've gone. You just do the same sort of thing each year. You have to be able to, willing to take on that information and go, do you know what? Maybe I don't know absolutely everything. Maybe I'm not like the greatest. Because it's one thing that you do, like see a lot of the time. People do, like, don't like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the best. I'm the best. You know, and they can't, they can't take on any more than that. Um, and that's what that sort of just spins them into a spiral of just working their way down. Then um, I think, yeah, just always be open to know that you don't know it all, and it's good to learn from other people, even people you might consider beneath you.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I, I say to everyone, all the, the coaches I'm working with, to never stop learning. Because mm. I guess the minute you think you know enough is the minute you probably should get out of the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think, oh no, I know everything, because I don't. I like I I definitely do not. I I, I know a good amount, and I'm good with what I do. But it, like, if someone comes to me and starts talking to me about all sorts, like, like Joe, for example, like, you know, the training blocks he does where he like uh, like works up the volume with this reps and reserve stuff, right? I looked at that earlier and I and I had a moment, I was like, oh, there's no way that you can be doing that many reps in reserve and it's still be doing the job. But it's not that, it's the process of building up to these final sort of blockage, you know, uh, periodized training methods, which I do know really work because I used to do a bit of powerlifting. When you periodize stuff, fucking hell, you get strong. Um, and then you have that, you know, this deal and then he goes again. Now, for me, looking at that like as a guy who, who grew up on the on the uh, one working set to failure you and know, the next exercise like like looking at this it's it's like oh that's really different but I want to learn about it so that I can pick bits from it so that I can utilize that with my own clients because it clearly does the job and it's got scientific backing behind it and it makes sense and top end coaches are doing it so why would I choose to ignore that you know yeah um,
0: no, you're, you're, you're 100% right it's it's something that I think a lot of people have say, spoken about recently and I always say it's uh, when people ask me my opinion I always say I think it's fucking genius. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard, hard
1: to apply, bloody boring, bloody boring. Fucking I, I, Joe Ballinger is one of my mates and Matt Strong is, is one of my mates as well. So physique collective and obviously a client of Joe's, both of my clients of Joe's. It's just fucking hilarious. Cause they're like, yeah, so we've got about like 10 cents on like this glute kickback thing and it's really boring. And I'm like and, like, and then it's like no enjoyable movements at all in this session. And they're like, we've got three really good ones and two shit sessions. And they're talking about it. Like, like we, can't, we can't wait to get these ones out of the way. Cause they're just boring. But, but it's doing the job because it's about being competitive at the end of the day for, for Ballinger, so. Yeah,
0: 100% um. dude. Now, what I would say is for anyone out there listening who wants to maybe get in touch with you, they want to reach out, get started to your coach you want to, do you want to just drop your, your details here? you?
1: Yeah, so um, it's just um, it's just Evolution Training on uh, Instagram. Uh, my name's Tom Haynes, if you search me, that should come up. Uh, but yeah, just... Um, if you want, just drop me a message. Um, As for clientele and like taking taking people on, I've got a couple of spaces left like for people, but not many more for this year because once I'm like full, I'm, I'm fully booked. I don't I don't go over it. Um, But you know, as, as as a coaching perspective thing, yeah, happy to happy to do that. Yeah, if anyone wants to.
0: A massive to be, thank you from myself and the listeners for coming on. You know, you're an incredibly humble guy, and what someone that's probably you know achieved a heck of a lot. Well, you did achieve a heck of a lot. Even just looking at your results last year was was insane.
1: Yeah, it was good, man. Yeah, fucking... I, I didn't realise it, but I thought I had got the most British titles last year. I thought I'd done it, but Cal beat me, the little bastard. Why really? well, one British title? I got fucking 10, he got 11. I was like, god oh, God's sake, so like, really? I, I was running around with this title, like, no, nah, I've got the most. I, I did it, didn't I? <laughs> Bloody annoying.
0: But still, it's, it's so nice to see that coaches in this game at the top level you guys are all mates and oh you know. yeah
1: oh yeah absolutely yeah like like well i get on with i get on with rob like i see robert shows and jace and um yannick and yourself and uh joe and all that we all get on really well like, even josh mikhail like you know all get on at that at that top level so um it's cool because because we see each other at shows right so
0: yeah absolutely but yeah thank you for your time man and i'm sure that i speak for myself uh, and you when i say wherever you are whatever you do give it the beans